Good evening, it's me, Jika. Um, sorry it's been so long. I feel like I'm saying that all the time lately. I thought the summer schedule was rough. Man, I, I had no idea what I was heading into with the fall schedule, but we're getting there. So anyway, it's um, Saturday the 13th of October, 2018, and this is evening prayer from the Daily Office from the Episcopal Book of Common Prayer. Our readings this evening are Psalm 104, Micah 5, 1 through 4 and 10 through 15, Acts 25, 13 through 27, Luke 8, 16 through 25. We begin on page 115 of the Book of Common Prayer. Yours is the day, O God, yours also the night. You established the moon and the sun. You fixed all the boundaries of the earth. You made both summer and winter. We continue with the confession of sin on page 116. Dear friends in Christ, here in the presence of Almighty God, let us kneel in silence and with penitent and obedient hearts confess our sins so that we may obtain forgiveness by his infinite goodness and mercy. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on us, forgive us all our sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. O God, make speed to save us. O Lord, make haste to help us. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Hallelujah. O gracious light, pure brightness of the ever-living Father in heaven, O Jesus Christ, holy and blessed, now as we come to the setting of the sun, and our eyes behold the vesper light. We sing your praises, O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are worthy at all times to be praised by happy voices, O Son of God, O giver of life, and to be glorified through all the worlds. Psalm 104. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty, wrapped in light as with a garment. You stretch out the heavens like a tent. You set the beams of your chambers on the waters. You make the clouds your chariot. You ride on the wings of the wind. You make the winds your messengers, fire and flame your ministers. You set the earth on its foundations so that it shall never be shaken. You cover it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke they flee. 
At the sound of your thunder, they take to flight. They rose up to the mountains, ran down to the valleys, to the place that you appointed for them. You set a boundary that they may not pass, so that they might not again cover the earth. You make springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the hills, giving drink to every wild animal. The wild asses quench their thirst. By the streams, the birds of the air have their habitation. They sing among the branches. From your lofty abode, you water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. You cause the grass to grow for the cattle and plants for people to use, to bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the human heart oil to make the face shine, and bread to strengthen the human heart. The trees of the Lord are watered abundantly, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. In them, the birds build their nests, the stork has its home in the fir trees, the high mountains are for the wild goats, the rocks are a refuge for the conies. You have made the moon to mark the seasons, the sun knows it's time for setting. You make darkness and it is night when all the animals of the forest come creeping out. The young lions roar for their prey, seeking their food from God. When the sun rises, they withdraw and lie down in their dens. People go out to their work and to their labor until the evening. O oh Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Yonder is the sea, great and wide. Creeping things innumerable are there. Living things, both small and great. There go the ships, and Leviathan that you formed to sport in it. These all look to you, to give them their food in due season. When you give to them, they gather it up. When you open their hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. Who looks on the earth and it trembles who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have being. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Now you are walled around with a wall. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the ruler of Israel upon the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrath, who are one of the little clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me, one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days.
Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has brought forth. Then the rest of his kindred shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall live secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be the one of peace. If the Assyrians come into our land and tread upon our soil, we will raise against them seven shepherds and eight installed as rulers. In that day, says the Lord, I will cut off your horses from among you and will destroy your chariots, and I will cut off the cities of your land and throw down all your strongholds. And I will cut off sorceries from your hand, and you shall no more, ha- and you shall have no more soothsayers. And I will cut off your images and your pillars from among you, and you shall bow down no more to the work of your hands. And I will uproot your sacred poles from among you, and destroy your towns. And in anger and wrath, I will execute vengeance on the nations that did not obey. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel for he has remembered his promise of mercy the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Acts 25 13 through 27. After several days had passed, King Agrippa and Bernice arrived at Caesarea to welcome Festus. Since they were staying there several days, Festus laid Paul's case before the king, saying, There is a man here who was left in in prison by Felix. When I was in Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews informed me about him and asked for a sentence against him. I told them that it was not the custom of the Romans to hand over anyone before the accused had met the accusers face to face and had been given an opportunity to make a defense against the charge. So when they met here, I lost no time, but on the next day took my seat on the tribunal and ordered the man to be brought. When the accusers stood up, they did not charge him with any of the crimes that I was expecting. Instead, they had certain points of disagreement with him about their own religion 
and about a certain Jesus who had died, but whom Paul asserted to be alive. Since I was at a loss how to investigate these questions, I asked whether he wished to go to Jerusalem and to be tried there on these charges. But when Paul had appealed to be kept in the custody for the decision of his imperial majesty, I ordered him to be held until I could send him to the emperor. Agrippa said to Festus, I would like to hear the man myself. Tomorrow, he said, you will hear him. So on the next day, Agrippa and Bernice came with great pomp, and they entered the audience hall with the, milita with the military tribunes and the prominent men of the city. Then Festus gave the order, and Paul was brought in. And Festus said, King Agrippa and all here present with us, you see this man about whom the whole Jewish community petitioned me, both in Jerusalem and here, shouting that he ought not to live any longer. But I found that he had done nothing deserving death, and when he appealed to his imperial majesty, I decided to send him. But I have nothing definite to write to our sovereign about him. Therefore, I have brought him before all of you, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that after we have examined him, I may have something to write. For it seems to me unreasonable to send a prisoner without indicating the charges against him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, you now have set your servant free to go in peace as you have promised. For these eyes of mine have seen the Savior whom you've prepared for all the world to see. A light to enlighten the nations and the glory of your people Israel. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Luke chapter 8, 16 through 25. No one, after lighting a lamp, hides it under a jar, or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a lampstand, so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be disclosed, nor is anything secret that will not become known and come to light. Then pay attention to how you listen. For to those who have more, more will be given, and from those who do not have, even what they seem to have will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside, wanting to see you. But he said to them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. One day he got into a boat with his disciples and said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they put out, and while they were sailing, he fell asleep. A windstorm swept down on one side, and the boat was filling with water, and they were in danger. They went to him and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we are perishing! And he woke up and rebuked the wind and the raging waves. They ceased, and there was a calm. He said to them, where is your faith? They were afraid and amazed and said to one another, 
who is this that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Continue with the Apostles' Creed on page 120. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you, and also with you. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Will you suffragists set be on page 122? That this evening may be holy, good, and peaceful, we entreat you, O Lord. That your holy angels may lead us in paths of peace and goodwill, we entreat you, O Lord. That we may be pardoned and forgiven for our sins and defenses, we entreat you, O Lord. That there may be peace to your church and to the whole world, we entreat you, O Lord. That we may depart this life in your faith and fear, and not be condemned before the great judgment seat of Christ, we entreat you, O Lord. That we may be bound together by your Holy Spirit in the communion of St. John and all your saints, entrusting one another in all our life to Christ, we entreat you, O Lord. O God, the source of eternal light, shed forth your, understand, your unending day upon us who watch for you, that our lips may praise you, our lives may bless you, and our worship on the morrow give you glory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Keep watch, dear Lord, with those who work or watch or weep this night. And give your angels charge over those who sleep. Tend the sick, Lord Christ. Give rest to the weary. Bless the dying. Soothe the suffering. Pity the afflicted. Shield the joyous. And all for your love's sake. Amen. Now is the time for our personal prayers and intercessions. And of course, I have a few words, right? Um, mostly my words are on the Old Testament and the Gospel reading. What I think is particularly interesting to me, what strikes me about the Old Testament, is that some of the judgments that God is going to do, they actually 
metaphorically speaking, sound like blessings to me. Like it talks about um, throwing down strongholds. I would love for the Lord to throw down my strongholds, right? Metaphorically speaking. Um, May he also free me from bowing down to the work of human hands. And may his anger and wrath be executed on the nations that do not obey. You know, it. at the risk of sounding very Pollyanna-ish, and please forgive me if I do, I think that the way that God works good out of evil, um, we've all talked about and heard about that before, I think, that God takes what was intended for evil and turns it to his good. These things that seem like travesties can be such blessings and transformation is painful. The tearing down of strongholds, the removing of blockages, the clearing of vision. Sometimes these are... Sometimes the healing hurts just as bad as the wounding. Sometimes it hurts more. But it's worth it. It's for a purpose. And having been through it before, I think we recognize God's work in the refining. And hopefully we are both more willing and more able to submit ourselves to it the next time. And I don't mean submit in an ugly way. I hope you all know me well enough by now to know that. I mean that we surrender to the Lord's transformation the way that we surrender our bodies to the surgeon's knife and hopefully have even more trust in God than we do our doctors. And God can work through our doctors as well, as an aside. The other thing that struck me about this passage was the beautiful, humble beginnings of Jesus, the little clan. He comes forth from the little clan, from the place unexpected. Moving on to the gospel. Verse 16 is probably familiar to many of us. No one after lighting a lamp hides it under a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a lampstand so that those who enter may see the light. Lately, particularly, and it came up with another friend of mine today, um, I'm really eyes wide open to the fact that a lot of us really exuberant, energetic people, particularly female exuberant, energetic people, are asked to tone it down for the comfort of those around them. We tend to be seen as overpowering, right? Not everyone is that enthusiastic all the time. So just simmer, especially in the morning, Jacob, just simmer in the morning. Um, and I balk at that you know you want me to turn my light down because and there's a million reasons you know I know for some people it's just overwhelming for some it's threatening um, there are others that try to snatch the light others that try to quench it there's, there's a million reasons and some of them are honest and pure and true and some of them are malevolent but what I've come to realize is that um, one of my boundaries is here. I'm not going to snuff out my light. I'm not going to hide it under the bushel 
for anybody, but what I will do is I'll focus it and I'll turn the shine towards the place that the illumination does the most good. Next passage that struck me is verse 29 or 21 rather. But he said to them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. For me, coming from a family of origin that was, well, I should say portions of a family of origin, um, you all know that, well, maybe you don't. I think most of you know that that um, my biological family or my family of origin was very mixed. I had a very close relationship with my father, but he died when I was very young. And um, my relationship with my mother has been very difficult, and there's a lot of wounding there. And um, and the same with my brother, although as as most sibling relationships, ours is is healing quite a bit as we grow older. And I, I don't mean that to diminish anything, but I had one pivotal person in my experience in my early Christian years, um, before I really found my footing in my faith and, and found the community of faith to which I now belong, the Episcopalian community. Um, I had one moment that was really freeing for me. I, I, I made a friend, an older woman, who um, was the first person who told me that it was okay to not have close relationships with my family of origin, who is, um, for the most part, still a very unsafe group of folks, um, unhealthy, um, and that God loves them and they are where they are. And I, I forgive and love them too. But that being said, um, a lot of our Christian faith tradition tells us it's another way in which we warp one of the passages in the Bible where it says, honor thy father and mother, right? We warp that into, Keep them close, obey them, even when what they're doing is abusive. And so this woman that I met, she was the first person to see me that it was okay to not have a relationship with my mother. And I will tell you that um, I, I do forgive my mother and I pray for her um, whenever the Holy Spirit puts it on my heart. But freeing myself from that relationship was very healing for me. And the more distance I had from that unhealthy relationship, um, the more free I was to heal myself. And so this passage that my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it is really redemptive for me because it reminds me that there is a greater family than blood and I am not bereft of relations or relationships and I'm thankful for that and I don't mean what I've said to be in any way judgmental or condemning just that I believe that the Lord understands and I believe that the Lord did create us to be in community but that that community should be healthy and can change with time and our 
dearest mothers and sisters and brothers are those who are with us striving to do Christ's will in this world and to be part of the universal Christ project. Enough on that. Moving on to the storm on the lake. Uh, so, you know, I, I'd really, I think I'm going to have to do some contemplative prayer on this one. And I'd like to ask some, some questions of Jesus about, was he so at peace that he fell asleep or was he so exhausted that he fell asleep? I don't really know at this time um, and perhaps I never will. But he, at any rate, he he did fall asleep. And, and I believe that that he had complete trust in God himself, Jesus, like Jesus himself, and God through Jesus. So I believe that we can strive to mirror this example that Jesus sets for us because the disciples, it says they were in danger. I mean, they weren't just overreacting. Like the storm was bad. They were in danger. But even in the midst of danger, if we've got trust in God, ourselves and God working through us, he will see us through the storm. Which brings me to the last thing from the readings. Who is this? Who is Jesus that he calms the storms? And that is, that is a question to explore more deeply every day and may it lead us into deeper relationship with the Lord. Amen. Um, I have a reading I want to read to you. I'm going to go get it. I'll be right back. I'm going to pause you. This is a prayer from a prayer book called Hearts on Fire, Praying with Jesuits. And it's intended for use during the um, Ignatian exercises, you know, if you were going on a retreat. But these are just beautiful poetry to me. So whether you're familiar with the Ignatian exercises and the annotation or not, I think it's just gorgeous. So this is intended to be the prayer for the beginning of a retreat, but I think it's lovely for those of us who are virtually gathered together here. So it goes like this. Lord Jesus Christ, present here, we thank you for the glory of your resurrection. We thank you for having called us together here. We thank you because you praise the Father perfectly in us. We thank you because you, in us, are perfect justice toward our brothers and sisters. It is you in us who continually heal our injustice, our mistrust, our fear. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your great glory, and we offer you what we are about to undertake. Everything we think, do, and experience during these coming days in your honor and because of you. We also offer you our fatigue this evening because we are a bit tired from the various events of this day, as on many other days. We are content, Lord, to offer you this fatigue because it is our daily vesture Grant that, weary, as, weary and tired as we are, we may begin this retreat in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Written by Carlo Maria Martini. You may, of course, pause me at this point to say your personal prayers. 
as I will do mine. Continuing with the general thanksgiving as we come to a close. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all for your immeasurable love and the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And, we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives. By giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory throughout all ages. Amen. Almighty God, you have given us grace at this time with one accord to make our common supplication to you. And you have promised through your well-beloved Son that when two or three are gathered together in his name, you will be in the midst of them. Fulfill now, O Lord, our desires and petitions as may be best for us, granting us in this world knowledge of your truth, and in the age to come life everlasting. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Glory to God, whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to him from generation to generation in the church, and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen.